Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So, You're likely familiar with the phrase, you can't judge a book by its cover. And and really, the the same could be said for movies as well. But that doesn't stop streaming services like Netflix from tailoring their thumbnails or the covers of their movies to, to fit what they think will cause you to stop, to click on it, and to watch it. And if you do use a streaming service like Netflix, then you may notice from time to time if you scroll past a movie or a TV show and you don't click on it, the thumbnail changes, that, that cover changes because their, their desire is to grab your attention. And if that first image that they had did not grab your attention, then maybe this new one will. And so all of their efforts are geared towards the outside. All of their efforts are geared towards grabbing your attention with these external things so that you will stop, you will click on it, and you will watch it. But maybe you've picked up a book in the past, or, or you've put in a DVD, or maybe you've clicked play on a Netflix movie, only to discover that it wasn't worth the read, or it wasn't worth the watch in the end. Because the reality is, regardless of how great the cover might look, it's not what's on the outside that makes a book or a movie good. It's what's found on the inside. The inside is the most important part. So we're coming to the end of a four-part series titled The Full Life. And each week we've been looking at a different passage in the book of John. And if you remember, I pulled the title for The Full Life from the NIV translation of John 10.10, where it says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And, and that word that's translated there as full or, or abundance in, in, in the CSB, it, it's a mathematical term that, that denotes a surplus. It, it's the idea that when Jesus comes into our life, he gives us a life of surplus. He doesn't just give us a little bit. He fills our life up and gives us a life of surplus. Now, as humans, we will often focus on the cover. We'll often focus on external things in this life. And so we tend to believe that if we just fill our lives up with with money or with our relationships or or maybe with more stuff, that, that somehow these things will make our life full. But the reality is, is that none of those things have the power to fill up our lives so let me remind you one last time in this series of our, our main takeaway, which, by the way, it's on the back of your bulletin, so you'll have that to take home with you. As believers, it's not about what we have on the outside of us that makes our life full. Rather, it's what's found on the inside of us. As believers, it's not about what, what, what we have on the outside of us that makes our life full. Rather, it's what's found on the inside of us. And so Jesus doesn't just give us a surplus of more stuff in this 
world, Jesus gives us a surplus of something better. Jesus gives us a surplus of himself. He is the one that makes our life full. It's not about what we have on the outside of us that makes our life full. Rather, it's what's found on the inside of us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 17 today. John 17, we're going to read the entirety of this chapter. It's 26 verses. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 26. And as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. Each week as we've been walking through this series, we've been looking at a different word that ends with this suffix full, F-U-L. And so we began by talking about, about the word worshipful. And then we looked at the word peaceful. Last week we looked at the word joyful. Today we're going to look at the word prayerful. And, and remember, it's not that having these things in our life make our lives full. Rather, I believe that as believers, these things should be and will be present in our lives as an overflow of the fullness or as an overflow of the surplus that we have already received in Jesus Christ. And so as we think about this word prayerful today, I think many times prayer is something that we know we should be doing, but, but we're not always doing it. We know we should pray, but, but yet we don't. And I think part of that is, is, is because sometimes we just overcomplicate prayer. And maybe we think that it has to be some, some fancy thing or, or beautiful words. And maybe, maybe I don't have the right thing to say. I don't have the right words to say. And so instead of saying something, we just say nothing. So, so with the hopes of making prayer a little less complicated today, I want to just give you a simple definition for prayer. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. And I believe that it's through these conversations with God that we are able to, to grow in a deep and a rich relationship with him. And so as we look at John chapter 17 today, what we're looking at is Jesus's prayer. This is the longest prayer from Jesus that is recorded in, in scripture. But, but this is not the first time that we see Jesus praying. In fact, after Jesus prays this prayer, he's going to go into the Garden of Gethsemane and we're going to see him pray again. And many times what we're told is that Jesus would withdraw, he would get alone, get away from the crowds, he would withdraw and he would pray. So, so we have this great reminder for us in the life of Jesus. Jesus made prayer a habit in his life. Jesus made prayer a habit in his life. And if Jesus, the Son of God, who was one with the Father and one with the Spirit, if Jesus made prayer a habit in his life, how much more should we make prayer a habit in our lives? How much more should our lives be prayerful? So let's read John chapter 17, verses 1 through 26. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. 
This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from this world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given is from you, because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world." I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. So as we read this passage today, I want to begin by highlighting the very first words that Jesus prayed in his prayer. He says, Father, the hour has come. Father, the hour has come. Now, up until this point, Jesus has been saying, my hour has not yet come. The first time that we see Jesus say those words, my hour has not yet come, is all the way back in John chapter 2 when Jesus performs his first miracle. And specifically, when Jesus says these words that his hour had not yet come, he's referring to going to the cross to be crucified. But now as he begins this prayer, he begins with a recognition that his hour has come. The time has come for him to be arrested. The time has come for, for him to be crucified. The time has come for him to fulfill the purpose for which he was sent into this world. 
Now, I'm specifically highlighting this phrase, the hour, Father, the hour has come, because many times when we pray, right, we expect God to move in our timing. Let's face it, we live in an instant gratification and a results-driven society, right? And so when we pray, we expect to see results, and we expect them to see immediately in our timing. But as we read Jesus' words, Father... The hour has come. It is a recognition and a submission to his father's timing. Up until this point, we have seen Jesus, Jesus uh, perform miracles. He's cast out demons. He, even, he, he, he removed people from the temple courts that were using it for their own personal gain. But it's not at that time that he's arrested. It's not at that time that he's crucified. It's only now that, that God has everything in place for Jesus to fulfill his purpose in which he come, he's come. It's only now that, that everything is in place for him to be crucified, that Jesus has this recognition, that Jesus says these words, the time has come, the hour has come. And so let me just give you this simple reminder. God's timing is always better. As you pray, remember, God's timing is always better. You may have asked for, for, for God for something, and, and you may have wanted immediate results. You may have prayed and prayed and prayed, and, and you've expected to see God move, and you've expected to see God respond in your timing. So let me just say this again. God's timing is always better. And, and so when Jesus says the hour has come, he, he wasn't telling the Father that it's time. He was simply recognizing and submitting to the timetable that he already knew that his Father had. And so that needs to be our prayer and our desire that, that when we pray, we wouldn't try to get the Lord, that we wouldn't try to get God to submit to our timetable, but, but our heart in prayer needs to be that we would be willing to submit our hearts to his timetable because God's timing is always better. But now as we think about prayer and as we look at this passage, there are three things, three things that I believe that, that as followers of Christ, we need to continually be praying for. First, we need to pray for the lost to know Christ's glory. We need to pray for the lost to know Christ's glory. So in the first five verses, Jesus is specifically, he, he's praying that, that he would be glorified. Now, when we often think about that word glorify, or as we think about that word glory, many times it, it's positive images that come into our mind. But, but as Jesus is praying that he would be glorified, and, and as Jesus is talking about the glory that he's going to endure the glory that he's referring to is his crucifixion. The glory that he's referring to is going to the cross. And, and so as he prays, we have this reminder. He was going to the cross. He was going to endure suffering and even death so that eternal life might be made available to everyone. Understand, Jesus' heart is for the lost. Jesus' heart is for the lost. Now, if you have a copy of God's Word like mine, the header of this section likely says Jesus prays for himself. 
And while this is true, Jesus is praying for himself and he's praying about what he's about to endure. It's also very much a reminder of the very reason that Jesus came into this world. Jesus was willing to step out of heaven. Jesus was willing to become a man. Jesus was willing to endure great suffering and and to go to the cross, to be glorified on the cross for your sins and mine. He was willing to do that for the sake of the loss that through him all might have the opportunity to receive eternal life. Jesus' heart is for the lost. And and so let me just say this. If Jesus' heart is for the lost, then our heart needs to be for the lost as well. If his heart beats for the lost, then our heart needs to beat for the lost as well. And so may our prayers be filled with the desire for the lost to come to know Christ's glory, which is the cross, that they might come to know the sacrifice that he made for them, that they might receive eternal life through him as well. And and may we also remember, as we pray for the lost, may we also remember that we were once lost, that we were once in desperate need of a savior. And it's because Christ was willing to go to the cross, it's because Christ was willing to be glorified in that manner that we were able to be saved. And so today at this time, we want to pause to specifically remember Christ's glory together. And so I'm going to invite the deacons forward at this time, and we're going to pause to to observe and to uh, practice the Lord's Supper to remember Christ's glory, to remember Christ's sacrifice for us. And so deacons, you're welcome to come forward at this time and begin readying the Lord's Supper table for us. And as they ready this table for us, let me just give some instructions. If you're in here today and you have given your life to Christ, Jesus is your Lord. You've allowed him to be the Lord of your life and you have taken that next step of believer's baptism. Then, then I would invite you, participate in this with us. Share in, in Christ's body broken for us and his blood shed for us. Share in that with us today. But if you have not yet taken that step, if you have not allowed for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you've not yet taken that step of baptism, then I would just encourage you to let that place pass by you. Because as we practice the Lord's Supper, it, it's not just... It's not just a ritual that we practice. It it is a reminder for us. It's a reminder of of the fact that we share in Christ's death together, that we share in in his glory together. And so so at this time, we're going to pause together to remember Christ's glory. So we're going to have the deacons pass these cups out, and these are the ones that have the the layers. And so you'll see it's got the the top layer, and and underneath that top layer is the the bread, and then the second layer uh, is going to open up the cup. And so as you get your cup, you can begin opening up that top layer uh, of bread. 
So if you'll take the, oh, we want to make sure everybody gets to participate. If you'll take the bread at this time, we're just going to pause and thank the Lord for his body that was broken for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your body that has been broken for us. Lord, we thank you that you were willing to go to the cross, Lord, to endure those nails in your hands and your feet, to endure that crown of thorns on your head, Lord, that, that you were willing to be glorified in this manner. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. It's in your name I pray, amen. So Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So you can open up that second layer of foil. That's going to open up the cup. And let's just pause now and, and thank the Lord for his blood that was shed for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your shed blood. Lord, we thank you that you, you were willing to be emptied that our lives might be made full. Lord, we thank you uh, for the sacrifice, for the glory that was shown through your shed blood on the cross, Lord. Lord, we love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So Jesus said, as often as you do this, drink this in remembrance of me. And so now I'm going to I'm going to allow the the deacons to return to their seats. But now I want to do something um, a little bit different. I, I want to literally practice what I'm preaching. And so I, I've been talking about we need to pray for the lost to know Christ's glory. And so I'm just going to kneel down at the altar at this time, and I'm going to invite you to just pray right, right where you are. But at this time, I would encourage you, if there's someone in your life, maybe it's a family member, maybe a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, call to mind their name right now. If they don't know the Lord, would you call their name to, to your mind right now, and would you just pray for them in this moment? And then I'm going to lead us in a prayer as well. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, our desire is to see you move. And, and just as, as your heart beats for the lost, our desire, Lord, is that our heart would beat for the lost as well. And so, Lord, we pray for the lost in this community. Lord, we pray for revival in this town. We pray for revival in this church, Lord. Lord, that, that we would see the lost come to know you. Lord, you are our only hope. For salvation. You are the only hope for this community, for this nation, Lord. And so, Lord, we lift up our lost friends, our lost family members, our lost co-workers, Lord. We, we lift them up to you, knowing, knowing, Lord, that through you and only you, they could receive eternal life. And I pray, Lord, right now for them, that wherever they are, Lord, that you would speak to them, Lord, that they would sense your presence, Lord, that you would draw them out of their sins, God, that they might come to know you, that they might come to know eternal life through you. Lord, today, may they come to know your glory. 
It's in your name I pray. Amen. So, so we, need to, we need to pray for the lost to come to know Christ's glory. Second, we need to pray for followers of Christ to be protected. We need to pray for followers of Christ to be protected. Now, Jesus specifically prayed here for, for two different things for the disciples to be protected from. First, he prayed that they be protected from division or disunity. In verse 11, and again in verse 21, Jesus' prayer is, may they all be one. And his prayer is that, that his followers would be one with each other just as he and the Father are one. Listen, we live in a world full of disunity. We live in a world that is defined by our divisions. Republican, Democrat, vaxxer, anti-vaxxer, masks, anti-masks. We live in a culture that is defined by divisions. May we as the church be different. May we be known not for our divisions, but we may, may we be known for what unites us, Jesus Christ. And, and so Jesus prayed that his followers would be protected from this disunity, would be protected from divisions, that they would be one just as he and the follower, Father are one. May that be our prayer as well, that we would be faithful in our prayers to pray for followers of Christ, that they would be protected, that we would be protected from dis divisions and disunity. Second, he prayed that they would be protected from the evil one. So in verse 15, Jesus prayed not that his followers would be removed from this world, but that as we remain in this world, that we would be protected from the evil one. Here's the reality. When we give our lives to Christ, we're not immediately and instantly removed from this world because we have a mission to accomplish in this world. We are called to be on mission for Christ in this world. We are called to be on mission proclaiming the gospel in this world. Now, with that being said, there's a very real enemy that does not want us to accomplish this mission. And, and, and so Jesus tells us in, in our theme verse for for this series, in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. The enemy is a very real enemy. But even if the enemy seems big to us, our God is bigger. And if the first part of that verse kind of strikes a bit of fear into your heart, the second part of that verse should bring peace to us. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The enemy might be big, but our God is bigger. And so Jesus prays not for us to be removed from this world, but that we would be protected from division and disunity and that we would be protected from the evil one, that we might continue to accomplish the mission that he has set before us. So we need to pray for the lost to come to know Christ's glory, and we need to pray for followers of Christ to be protected. Finally, this morning, we need to pray for a faithful heart to share. We need to pray for a faithful heart to share. So we see, see this progression in, in chapter 17. Jesus prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for those believers that would come to know him in the future. What does verse 20 say again? I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Again, Jesus' heart is for the lost. 
And in his prayer here for followers, there's an implication that his desire for his followers as we remain in this world would be that we are sharing his word with the lost, that more might come to know him, that others might come to know him. And listen, I I understand we live in a world where it's difficult to share our faith. We live in a world where it is unpopular to to share that that people are in in desperate need of a savior and that Jesus is that savior. But, But in the time that Jesus was living, in the time that the disciples were living, in the time that the apostle Paul lived, it wasn't just unpopular to share your faith. It was punishable to share your faith. Many of the disciples gave their lives, died for their faith. The apostle Paul gave his life for his faith in Christ. Now for the time being, and for however long the Lord allows it, in the country that we live in, we still have freedom to share. We still have freedom to proclaim the truth. We still have the freedom to tell others about Jesus. It may be unpopular, but we still have the freedom to do it. May we not, may we not take that freedom for granted. May we not take that freedom and, and the opportunity to share the gospel with the lost for granted. Because the truth is, is it's the power of the gospel that will save this nation. It's the power of the gospel that will save your friends. It's not a political figure that will save this nation. It is the gospel that will save this nation. Listen, it's, it's not the one that sits behind the desk in the Oval Office that has the power to transform hearts. It's the one who sits enthroned in heaven. And so if we're, if we're gonna see the lost saved, then we need faithful hearts to share the truth of God's word so that others might come to repentance, so that others might come to know him. And so we need to pray for faithful hearts, faithful hearts to share, just as Jesus prayed for future believers. Let's look to the future. Who are the future believers that need to hear the gospel today that they might come to know the Lord So we need to pray for the lost to know Christ's glory. We need to pray for followers of Christ to be protected. And we need to pray for a faithful heart to share. Now, as we get ready to close this morning, as we continue to think about this word prayerful, let me just quickly tell you three ways that you can get involved praying here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. Three things that we're going to be launching, all right? First, we're going to be launching a team of prayer warriors. You can be a part of that. All right, a team of prayer warriors. So we often get prayer requests that come into the church. We're gonna continue to send those that are not confidential. We're gonna continue to send those out via email to the church so everybody can see those and pray for those. But we're also gonna develop a team of prayer warriors that will specifically be tasked with praying when they receive the prayer request to stop wherever they are. Maybe they get a phone call. Maybe they get a text message with that prayer request, but, but there's gonna be a guarantee that this church body has that they know there is a team of people that's gonna stop and pray where they are for that prayer request. And so maybe, maybe God's calling you to be a part of that. You can sign up at the back of the auditorium to be a part of that after the service today. The second thing that we're gonna be launching is, is a rotation of, of 
prayer on Sunday mornings. And what I mean by that is we're going to have a room in this church, right? It may be a Sunday school room, but, but during the worship service, every single Sunday in the new year, my desire is that we would have one, at least one person. It could be, it could be a couple in there, but, but at least one person in a room on campus during the worship service praying for God to move in this service, praying for me as I preach, praying that, that God would bring the lost to repentance, praying for the community. And so my, my desire is that we would have a rotation of people every single week, a different person in there praying for revival. And we're also going to have those prayer sheets that, that we've typically used for, for our prayer meetings uh, with, with the list of prayer requests. We're going to have that in there too so that those can be prayed over as well. And so maybe God's calling you to be a part of that prayer rotation that, that once, one Sunday every so often you would be in there praying for God to move during the worship service. The third way is that we're going to have a rotation uh, of prayer during the week, during the office hours. So the office hours are on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. My desire would be that, that one hour each of those days, we have someone up here at the church praying over the prayer requests that come in and, and praying for revival here in Stockdale, in our state, in our country, that every single uh, day of those office hours, three days a week, that we would have someone praying. And that would be great if you're retired, if you're looking for something to do during the day, a great opportunity for you to serve one hour a week or one hour every so many weeks to come up here and, and to pray. And so all of those, there's a sign-up sheet at the back. You can put your name and your phone number down and you can mark, maybe you want to be a part of all three of those. Maybe you want to be a part of one of those. You can just mark off which one you want to be a part of. But my desire is that as we move into the future here at First Baptist Stockdale, we would be known by and defined by this word, prayerful, that we would be a church devoted to prayer. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, then my prayer for you today is that you wouldn't go another day, you wouldn't go another moment without allowing Jesus to be your Lord. And if that's the case, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. Becky's going to lead us in another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond today. We have talked about Christ's glory. He went to the cross for your salvation. He rose again three days later. And if today you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, then I want to invite you to do that. And I'm going to teach you the most powerful prayer you can ever pray. Four words, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. And if you're ready to pray that prayer today, then as we sing this last song, I would invite you to come. I'm going to be standing right down front. Come, talk with me. Let's pray together. And today can be the day of your salvation. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say you've given your life to Christ, but, but maybe you have been neglecting prayer in your life. Maybe you've been overcomplicating prayer. Just get back to the simplicity of prayer right where you're at today right where you're standing, right where you're sitting, just begin having that simple conversation with God today. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say, you've given your life to Christ, but, but you've never been baptized. Listen, we celebrated Bethany's baptism this morning. We wanna celebrate yours as well. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that step of, of public profession of faith through baptism, then I would encourage you, let's, let's get that committed today. Come, talk with me. Let's pray. And, and, and we can make that commitment together this morning.
Now, maybe you're here today and you would say, you've given your life to Christ and you have been baptized and, and you've been visiting First Baptist Stockdale and you know that God's calling you to make this your church home. If that's the case, then I would invite you to respond as well. Let's talk, let's pray. You can become a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale as we continue to walk in this full life, as we continue to, to seek God for revival, as we continue to be on mission together. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would just encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.